Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. We all know, from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts, that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. Westholm, which is based in Queensland and the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hello and welcome to Saver Protection of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're saying so long to our Oahu miniseries with a farewell episode. So sad. It is. I, oh, I, I mean, I think we should just go back yes. and do another like 18 interviews. I agree. And then do another miniseries. Yeah. Maybe on Maui. I know, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll bring this up with our boss. <laughs> I do feel like we're saying goodbye to a friend or something. Right? <laughs> My heart. There are feels happening. Oh. Uh, but yes, all good things must come to an end. Um, and for this episode, we want to touch on some things we didn't get to touch on in previous episodes and some things that are in wise future. And that means we have to talk about tourism again. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and like we discussed in our intro episode, a good chunk of Hawaii's economy depends on tourism, which absolutely impacts those in the food and beverage industry. Yeah, because catering to the whims, and sometimes literally catering to the whims of tourists, uh, while also being embraced by locals, is challenging. 
in an industry that's already really challenging. Yeah. Uh, one of the people who we spoke with, who we unfortunately haven't gotten to share a lot from yet, was uh, was one Kelvin Rowe, who is the chef and owner of Diamond Head Market and Grill, which is what's called a drive-in. Yes. Um, which is a different thing than what we usually think of on the mainland when we hear drive-in. Um, it means a restaurant with no interior seating at which you probably order from a walk-up window. And all orders are served to go, um, though there's often some, like, picnic tables set up outdoors for you to eat at if you want to. Um, yeah, so the concept is sort of like fast, fast casual. Yeah. Extra fast casual. <laughs> um, fast casual squared. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and the menus are often local takes on, like, a like a greasy spoon type fare, I mm. guess, like, a, like reflecting the diverse population of Hawaii, uh, stuff like Lokomoko, teriyaki, char siu, which I hope I'm finally pronouncing correctly, a uh, chicken dobo kalua pig. Um, yeah, you add to that uh, to that kind of entree a couple of side dishes, usually a couple scoops of rice and a scoop of macaroni salad, mac salad. Um, though other things can sneak in there, kimchi or lomi salmon, which is like a cold salmon salad with tomato and onion. Anyway, yeah, you add a couple side dishes and you've got a plate lunch, which is a Hawaii working class staple. It's like the local answer to the meat and three, mm-hmm. um, which is a southern thing if you're not from here. I don't know. Google it. You'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, okay, so this drive-in, the Diamond Head Market and Grill, uh, Kelvin opened it 18 years ago with a personal mission to mix in some some healthier options in there. Yes, and two things I want to add on there is, one, they're known for their scones. And they well, before we did the interview, they put a plate of scones in the middle of the table. Uh-huh. But they were wrapped in, like, a crunchy wrapping. Yeah, like, crinkly paper. Yes. And so we couldn't eat them during the interview. Uh But we were just presented with this plate of warm, lovely... Big scones. Big scones. And we were staring at them. And then later, Dylan and I were talking about the struggle of, can I try to open this scone (laughs) (laughs) while we're doing the interview? Oh, I felt like it was some kind of, like, marshmallow test, but for podcasters. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It, it definitely felt like a test, and somehow I feel like we failed. <laughs> I don't know. But we got to eat the scone, so it was a win. We did. Eventually. Yeah. But also, uh, Dylan and you, Lauren, uh, were on their uh, Instagram, the Diamond Head oh, Morgan Grill Instagram later. Right, yeah, because because uh, Kelvin and his wife have a number of golden retrievers, and like a lot, mm-hmm. like not like a small number, like kind of a large number. And one of them it was a puppy, and oh, I'm forgetting its name right now. Honey, honey, honey girl, honey girl, yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't have my phone on me in the studio, but uh, but I'll, I'll I'll find I'll find the Instagram handle and I'll put it on Instagram. <laughs> this is a very important mission. It is very important. It was super cute. It was super cute. Anyway, all right. Uh, Kelvin has also worked as a culinary teacher and restaurant consultant. Diamond Head Market and Grill is unique because it's a neighborhood drive-in. It has a small market attached, and locals go there, pick up scones for the office or a salad or a sandwich or plate lunch. And it's not in the big downtown tourist area, but it is a tourist attraction. It has been open for 18 years, yes, and it was packed the entire time we were there. Here's Kelvin. Food business is not easy, and a lot of people lose money. You know, coming from a consultant, and people ask me constantly, do you think I should do this? What do you think about my concept? Do you think I should open? It's like, my answer is always, how much money do you have to lose? And they go, wow. (laughs) And I'm like, no, serious. If you have a couple hundred thousand that you may 
that you don't care if you go try it out. But you better have your homework done. You better have a solid recipe file, a concept, a menu file. I mean, uh, it all starts with your, of course, your widget, your signature item. If you don't have that, it's kind of hard. Unless you do a drive-in when you do all these things that people, staples, beef stew, shoyu chicken, lao lao, all these local foods. But that kind of gets tiring too, right? And some of those restaurants are closing. They, they don't have enough to sustain their passion. Because after five years of losing money, nobody wants to stay in the business. You know, because your first initial impact into society, when you open a business, you have to prove yourself because the public is very finicky. They're going to support you or not. And sometimes it takes one, two, three years for you to gel. But sometimes the customers won't wait that long. Or you'll get your, your core fans but that's not enough to make it to the five-year mark. You know, it's so sad. A lot of the mom and pops are all closing. So it's because the next generation, they're not used to working those hours that it takes to run a business. Because you got to get up before people come and you're there after cleaning up, right? Whatever it is, it's just overwhelming. So most people have closed their mom and pop type stores and we see a lot of national chain restaurants who are pretty much succeeding yeah. our burger is five six dollars mm-hmm. mcdonald's is a dollar yeah they're going to be popular they get their share of customers but it's not the same so it's changed in the sense that a lot of the local things that we used to like you can't get anymore. But of course, there are a lot of success stories, some of which we've been fortunate enough to share with you all throughout these episodes. And as tastes change and tourists are hungry for local experiences, some of this whole thing is changing. We spoke to Chef Alan Wong about the tourism on Oahu. He opened what would become one of Hawaii's most posh restaurants in an office building in inland Honolulu in 1995 and helped create the movement of Hawaii regional cuisine, which celebrates local ingredients and the culinary diversity of the population. Uh, How many times the, the average person has been to Hawaii? So they've been like three, four, five times now. So the the lay greeting has gotten old. The little chocolate-covered macadamia nuts on the pillow are getting old. So they're looking for new things. So uh, especially the Japanese, they're looking to see where the, the locals eat, where the locals shop. So the KCC farmers market used to be all locals. Now it's like busloads of Japanese coming because they want to see where the locals kind of you know local farmers market is, and and so people are looking for experiences. Like if you could sign up and go pig hunting with a local guy, you'll remember that for the rest of your life. You know, it's those kinds of experience. Or actual fishing, you know? Those Hawaiian experiences. Or hiking. The most important thing is getting out of uh, the hotels, the resorts, and Waikiki, and getting out into the community. This is a community, you know? And, and seeing the real communities of uh, Honolulu or Hawaii. 
I think that's the most important thing. But it's kind of happening already because people are looking for those experiences. You want to go pig hunting? <laughs> you want to go pig hunting? Pig hunting? Oh, no, no. One of my life's missions is to help change the perception of what Hawaii is like in terms of what we eat. And so I, I love sharing that. You know, because the more I can say to people that spread that word, they're going to realize that, you know, it's not all about pineapples and macadamia nuts and spam. That it pretty much is a, a place where East meets West. And when you think about it, fusion has a bad word, right? Because it's too much confusion. But if any a place where East meets West, we're right in the middle. And if you want to go uh, to, to the U.S., from Asia, you stop in Hawaii first. And same the other way around. He also expounded a bit about how the tourism on the island has changed since he's been in the industry. To compare apples to apples, there are a lot of local chefs in hotels and resorts now. And some are even the executive chef of the hotel. And so that's changed. Um, we have the most amount of product to cook with today. Things uh, a long time ago used to be only available either frozen or in the can. For example, at one time, only canned asparagus or canned hearts of palm. So now both are being grown here. So you can get fresh hearts of palm, fresh asparagus. So that, that's changed uh, quite a bit. The, the generation you know, has changed. And so we've sort of had a restaurant explosion the last three or four years here in Honolulu. You know, the, you, you can go out to have many more uh, a diversified kind of eating experience in, in Honolulu. And, you know, everyone uh, with the TV, the food channel, with social media, you basically can learn things uh, that are happening all around the world about their cooking style, their, their ingredients and what they're doing. You know, they see the plate. And so everybody wants to imitate that kind of plate, all the Instagram shots, right? Yeah. So you get a lot of that, too. Yeah. In as many ways as living on an archipelago thousands of miles away from anything is a challenge, um, Hawaii perhaps obviously has a lot going on for it. You know, it's literal paradise. Um, and a lot of interesting foods can be grown there now that the land has been or is currently being reclaimed from a pineapple and sugarcane monocropping. And its government is looking for ways to help. We spoke with Hawaii State Senator Donovan Dela Cruz about some of the ideas that are on the table. Well, we, we can do other things. We can do vanilla. We could do chamomile. You know, our, our, our climate is such that we can grow a lot of different things because we have so many different microclimates. We just need more entrepreneurs to kind of take those ideas and make a go of it. And then if the state can figure out a way how we can provide incentives so we can allow some predictability and... Um, allow people to take risk in some of those investments, and that's something that we should consider how we can help. It provides jobs, you know, increases our, our diversity of product, and hopefully it enhances the visitor experience too. This is something a lot of our interviewees spoke about. Another was Taylor Kellerman, who's the Director of Agriculture and Land Stewardship at Kualoa Ranch on the east side of Oahu. As we've said in previous episodes at Kualoa, they raise cattle and oysters and a few crops and also host Hollywood films and movie tours. Here's Taylor. You know what it is, is that we have a lot of cool things that people like to do here. We do zip lines, you know, things that have a small footprint, 
Um, so it's, think of things as like a minor or small environmental footprint uh, in the large uh, economic impact, right? Zipline, um, horseback, um, controlled ATV in the sense that you're not just go ride, tear up everything. It's on trails that we maintain and things like that. Uh, but while you're here, we're going to force you to learn a bunch about agriculture. So, uh, you know, good example. You guys seen Jumanji, right? The new Jumanji. So the, inter- <laughs> the, the transportation shed where they do the like dance fighting. I just know this because my kids love that movie. <laughs> so we've repurposed that building, moved it. It was filmed here in the back of the valley. We took the whole building down. We instead of destroying it, we that's what our our piggery is in now. And so when you're going to go on the movie site tour to learn about all the movies like Jurassic World and Jumanji and Fifty First Dates or whatever, um, you have to pass through one of our ag areas to get to all these things. And in that time, we're going to teach you a little bit. And hopefully some of it sticks. I'm sure in some cases, in a lot of cases, it doesn't. But it's, it's just that step-by-step nature of everything, you know. The hard part about Hawaii, and I'm sure you've heard this, if you've, if you've, inter- if you've interviewed in that many people in Hawaii, the economics of agriculture, I'm sure, has come up. And anytime you're growing things on a piece of property that's worth well more than what you could ever grow, huh. you have to have some sort of dual income. Um, some people do it by uh, value-added, like Kohana Rum. You know, they've got a really cool concept. By the way, that building that their tasting room is in, um, I used to get my hair cut there by the plantation store owner that used to run that store. Because oh, wow. I used to work on the pineapple plantation right there. How? So How? 25 years ago. Tangent. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, in, in here, if you want to be economically successful, you have to look at um, ways to increase your bottom line. And, you know, growing a raw product and selling it to a producer is not really viable these days, in this state at least. So do you take your cacao pods and take it all the way to craft chocolate? That's one way to do it. Do you take your 27 varieties of Hawaiian sugar cane and turn it into craft rum? That's another way. Mm-hmm. Do you take what you're doing and share it with people that want to come and zip line on your property? That's another way. So that's kind of how, how we look at it. So forced infotainment <laughs> and um, dual economy. So one of the things he touched on there is how things have changed in Hawaii since he was growing up there. And um, and that's something that we're always interested in uh, in learning about. We also asked Justin Park, who's the head bartender and co-owner of a speakeasy-ish style cocktail bar called Bar Leather Apron, um, which is another posh place in an office building in Honolulu. Growing up in Hawaii is like the best place to grow up in the whole world. Um, as far, as far as I'm concerned. But you know what, like, I, I it's changed, it's, it's, it's really changed, I mean, especially Waikiki. You know, Waikiki is, it, to people who live here, it, unless you work there, isn't somewhere you really go very often. Um, it's because it's catered towards visitors, you know, tourism, which is great, because that's what drives our economy. But at the same time, it's like, Hawaii has a very, like, deep culture beyond tourism. And I, like I don't know like if it's worse or or better, but um, there's been a lot of change as far as the food and beverage culture goes. Like it's really like grown up in the past two years, I would say maybe even three years. For me, like I never I never wanted to do this anywhere else um, because this was for one this was my home, and for two the way I thought about it was like you don't have to give 
someone another reason to come here. They're already coming here. Yeah. You know, so if you can capitalize on that and at the same time share a, a, like a story or how you created it, it's, like, it's just impactful. The tension around commodifying culture that Justin touched on is part of an ongoing conversation. We talked about performative culture for tourism in our New Orleans episodes, oh, if you yeah. want to go back and check those out. Uh-huh. And as we talked about throughout this miniseries, Native Hawaiians have fought to preserve their culture and history. One of the ways they've done that is through education and the passing on of history and traditions. Here's Kiloa Domingo, a cultural practitioner who also cooks. It's it'll always be a debate, but uh, you know, to honor, to recognize, to respect the host culture, I think that's something that um, we really need to get the message across to people. Um, you know, that's why it's important for people like myself to share what what I know and keep learning, and you know, encourage our our next generations to learn. You know, even even deeper in the knowledge, uh, you know, it's it's a part of us. It's been a part of us for generations upon generations upon generations, and uh, that's not something you want to just, uh, you know, <laughs> toss to the curb. Yeah. <laughs> that learning aspect of respect and success um, is is something that we heard over and over again, and we'll look deeper into that. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks, but I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip together. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No Me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. The importance of mentorship came up in several interviews about Hawaii's food and drink industry. This is tied in part to that responsibility we talked about in our intro episode of this whole miniseries. It's one way that people in the industry are helping others succeed. Yeah, helping others and, and helping themselves, you know, lift each other up, and then they can lift you up, and everybody gets lifted. Yay. Yeah. Uh, and we even got a concrete example of a mentorship that really worked out because, okay, we we interviewed Chef Alan Wong, um, and he was a mentor to another chef who we interviewed, Michelle Karyoyeka of MW Restaurant in Honolulu. We We asked Michelle about how she realized that she wanted to be in the restaurant industry to start out with, and here's what she said. But it's probably when I was in college. It's kind of funny because I, I went to school for business management, but I double majored in hospitality, hotel management as well. And then, uh, and then I started to do my last externship at Alan Wong's because I wanted to see the restaurant industry. Because my parents did not want me to be a chef. <laughs> they wanted me anything else. They wanted me, because my dad is a CFO and my mom was a teacher. And so people who work in the banking industry, the success rate of restaurants is very low. 
And so my dad was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Anything but that industry. <laughs> and so he's, and he actually wanted me to become a golfer. I didn't want to become a golfer. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't, I wasn't passionate about it. Like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the competition of it because I played it in college, but I didn't, I couldn't see myself doing this every day for the rest of my life. And then, so it was funny because I called my dad one day. I'm like, I did pretty good in my tournament today. He's like, okay, that's the good news. What's the bad news? I'm like, I'm not going to play golf anymore next year. <laughs> He's like, great, what are you going to do? I'm like, you remember my externship? He's like, yes. I'm like, I think I want to be a chef. He's like, and he hung up the phone on me. I'm like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> and to make a long story short, you know, he was like, okay, I guess this is what you really want to do. Because after I finished my externship, I still continued to work there for free for like nine months because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And, and then so finally, Chef Allen told me, he's like, if this is what you really want to do, then you should go to school. And so I said, okay. And so I went to the CIA. He wanted me to stay here. I was like, bye, I'm going to New York. <laughs> and it was, it was amazing, you know, to, go, to be able to go out to CIA and then explore that French laundry and come back to um, CIA and graduate and then come back to Hawaii and then go back to, per se, that's when I learned I really wanted to be a pastry chef. You know, for me, I mean, that's where I kind of learned how to cook. I mean, working in his kitchen, uh, and he can even probably tell you if you ever asked him is, I didn't even know how to turn on this, the stove. <laughs> I did not know how to cook at all. And so to be able to be given the opportunity to have someone mentor you and teach you and be patient, you know, but a lot of it is about persistence and dedication and desire to become what you want to become. And for me, I wanted to become a chef. And while we were speaking to Alan, who, who was our second interview, Michelle was our, uh, our last along with her husband, Wade. Um, while we were speaking to Alan, he brought up the importance of, of being a mentor. And uh, yeah, here's what he had to say. The first thing I try to do is scare you. Because if I do scare you, I did you a favor. You know, I do remind you that it's hard work. Um, I ask, <laughs> you know, uh, I tell them that come Christmas time, Thanksgiving, the holidays, uh, don't be wanting to like request off now. Because when people come to party, you got to provide the party. You're working Christmas Eve, Christmas, you're working New Year's Eve. And so, at that point, they, they kind of pause a little bit. And you know, and the, and the ones that are thinking like, oh, maybe this is not for me, oh, I did you a favor. But if they pass that hurdle, then we keep talking. You know, I remind them that this is a journey. It's, it's a long path, you know? So, so I have some that, that are coming and saying, I want to be the next food channel, food TV star in five years. Or someone says, I want to own my own restaurant in five years. So then we have to have a little talk on how realistic that all is. You know, anybody can open a restaurant, but how long can you keep it going? Right. Yeah. So don't be too anxious to get into that. And so, you know, 
it's a hard business, it's a journey, it's a long journey. You don't make a lot of money in the beginning, you pay your dues. And uh, if you can hang, well, it could be very, very good to you. Your reasons for getting into the business have to be the right reasons. What I got into the business was, if I made something and I fed you, I'm gonna look at your face. I'm gonna look at your eyes, I'm gonna look at the first expression in your face, with the first spoon in your mouth, and that's what turned me on. So if somebody has that kind of like perception of what the industry can be like for them, then they probably can handle what comes at them. You know, because you know, you gotta go through the ups and downs, uh, the adversities and challenges. And I say, you know, if you make your goals bigger than life, maybe you have a chance. Is that your favorite part of it? Is like seeing the expression on people's faces when they try yeah. something that you made? When somebody enjoys that, when somebody says, this is awesome, or I've never had anything like this before. Yeah, that's a charge. Taylor also spoke about the importance of mentorship. I always look at it as that's where a big part of the, the Ag Leadership Program comes into play. Because we have a lot of people who want to get into farming that don't have farming backgrounds. And I love it, and I encourage it, and I think it's amazing. And one of the first things that they struggle with is the realism of it, because I think you really need to talk to people and work with people and get them in, involved in, do you want to, do you love farming or do you love the idea of farming? Oh. Because it's two very different things. And um, I think that uh, you can, through good mentorship, transition one into the other. Whereas if you just throw somebody out and let them hang, they're gonna probably give up pretty quickly. Which I was like, I don't know if that's a compliment or, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure, but yeah. Yeah, but mentoring is really, really important. I had some incredible mentors when I was younger and it made all the difference in the world. And like, you know, you know, we all have those moments that you can recall in early adulthood where you're, you, those concepts clicked for you, whatever it is, you know, like those yeah. times you're like, oh, I totally am going to process that and keep it going. Um, most of those came from my mentors, not my parents, you know, mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. I have had some wonderful mentors in my life and can absolutely speak to the value of a good one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Humans around this very office who yeah. have provided just so much um, example and support and, uh, you know, beer. Also good. <laughs> also good, Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 really it's really great. Um, but yes, all of this goes beyond just mentorship because we heard and saw so much of um, the sense of community within the food and bev industry on Oahu, and we'll get into that after we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. <laughs> yeah, uh, West Holm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. 
Yes, I did too. <laughs> Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks, but I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today 
at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Everyone we spoke with was so generous with their time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Thank they you. Kept, they kept going like, oh, okay, we have 20 minutes. And then, like, I don't know, like 15 minutes in would be like, hold on, I'm rescheduling. Yeah. It was really lovely. Yeah, it was so good. People were excited to talk about uh, what they were doing, yeah. which is great. Um, and people were very generous with their advice and a willingness to lift others up as well. Here's Dave Newman, craft bartender of Pint and Jigger and Harry's Hardware Emporium. I think I think that's just part of the aloha and the, the, the community has been so tight. Um, when when we first started doing craft cocktails out here, there was there was no resources available for us. There was there was nobody that I could go to and be like, "How do you make a grenadine?" It wasn't even on the internet. I looked. Oh wow! So we got in the kitchen and learned how to make grenadine. We you know came up with our own recipes for everything: burjot, allspice dram. Um, so for us to be able to pass that on directly, yeah, you can go on the internet and look, but that trial and error process of learning how to do it yourself is you can't ever beat that. And so for me, able to pass that on to people directly is the way it should be. Michelle offered some advice for those starting out, uh, kind of uh, when I said, I could never do this. And she, in the like most sweet way, was like, yes, you could. Here's some advice yeah. <laughs> for me personally. <laughs> um, and she offered a reminder that even though the work can and often is draining and difficult, that it can be beautiful and creative, too. <laughs> positive. <laughs> it's like I tell people, if I got a dollar for every time I wanted to quit, I could have bought a really nice house. <laughs> but I did it. <laughs> but I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's fun. You know, if you, I shouldn't say fail for it, but you, you learn from your mistakes. And like I tell people, you know, mistakes, failing forward, it sometimes sounds negative. So I always tell people it's like learned opportunities, you know. And just think of it like, you know what, this is a learned lesson. And don't think of it as a negative. Think of it as a positive. Because if you never made that mistake or you never made, you never learned from that experience, then, then you would have never known how to fix it. <laughs> I've had enough baking projects fail that I absolutely know how that goes. <laughs> like, I remember my first one of our things that we had to do at culinary the, the CIA was make hollandaise oh. and I broke mine the first day and I was like almost in tears and this uh, this other guy who was next to me he's like oh my gosh you failed for the day I'm like oh well if I failed for the day it's okay because guess what I learned how to fix it so tomorrow if I break it I know how to fix it but if I never broke it I would never know how to fix it yeah. So to me, that was a blessing. <laughs> why, at least for me, why I like being in this, in the restaurant business is, for me, it's about serving people and nourishing people. And when we're able to cook something and make the guests happy and make our team happy as well, then it puts a smile on my face. You know, it, it may sound selfish, but the happier that our guests are, that's what I live off of, you know? 
It's like I told my dad, I said, I don't really care about money as long as guests are happy. And he's like, well, no, no, let's still focus to make the restaurant profitable. <laughs> but <laughs> that's the financial side of him. <laughs> but he knows that there's no greater joy than us making our staff happy and our guests happy. Because it's about others. Food and sharing food, the history and culture and science, the story behind it, it does make people happy. I mean, I guess that's sort of why we're doing this whole show. Mm -hmm. Um, But our choices when it comes to what we eat impacts so much. Uh, Brooks Takanaka, the assistant general manager of United Fishing Agency, tied things back to sustainability and responsibility. If you're not afraid to eat and try stuff, this is a great place to be. And, you know, the funny thing about local people is that if you appreciate that, they like you even more. You're more ohana. You're more family. Yeah? And, and so, so food is a very important commodity, really. I mean, no matter where you go, no matter what the realities are, food is a way of, of sort of kind of balancing things out, smoothing things out. And the more people appreciate food, the more they understand the value, what it's all about, I think the more they begin to appreciate being sustainable, how to be more conservative, how to be yeah, more frugal about things and that sort of thing as well. And so if we all do what we can personally, then maybe we can make a difference. But if we all think, hey, I, nah, what's, what's one person going to make a difference? No, we can't think that way. We've got to be responsible from the get-go, individually. That was a, that's the way I conducted myself when I was younger, diving and all of that, rules and regs. No, nobody's watching. Hey, no, <laughs> that's not the way we do things. So you're always going to have people on the other side of the equation, but I think you've got to stick to your personal principles. And if we all take it upon ourselves to be responsible, I, can, I think we can do it. Since we're uh, in the midst of holiday season here in the U.S. at least, a lot of places, uh, uh-huh. we thought we'd end with this sentiment from Kialoa. Well, I mean, it's really hard to choose a favorite sure. because, you know, I mean, growing up and even more so in, in my adult life, uh, you know, that whole uh, mentality of uh, mahalo i kamelo, be happy for what you have, be grateful for what you have, um, you know, the best food that we have is what's on the table in front of us. You know, we're so happy to you know, be able to eat. <laughs> you know, we uh, we almost used that quote as the opening quote in the first episode of this whole mini series. So it feels really appropriate to end on it instead. Um, that that's how this trip and working on this series has felt. Um, it's not a straight line. It's a circle. It's not a goodbye. It's um. Thank you for this introduction, and we are going to be back. Yes, perhaps sooner than you would like. <laughs> Oahu? <laughs> yes, we are coming. <laughs> Savor takes Oahu, part two. Uh, but yes, that, that brings us to the end of our Hawaii miniseries. I'm sure you'll be hearing some of the interviews in full in the future, um, lightly edited perhaps. Mm-hmm. And we really appreciate you joining us on this journey, listeners. Yes, um, and, and I know I know we thank everyone in every episode, um, but right here we really want to, if we may, borrow the word mahalo 
um, mahalo from the bottom of our hearts and and our stomachs um, to everyone who spoke with us and fed us and to you for listening. Yes. It was our honor and a true pleasure. But this means we got to figure out where we're going next. Ah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So, (laughs) listeners, if you have any suggestions, I know a lot of you do. We did kind of say somewhere not, like, very cold, perhaps, in the winter. Uh, That would be ideal. It would be nice. For my fingers. (laughs) It would be nice. Uh, You can send those suggestions to our email. It is hello at saverpod.com. And you can also find us on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Thank you so much to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard, our executive producer, Christopher Hasiotis, and our interviewees. Also, to the people who put us in touch with those interviewees, uh, Michelle McGowan-Rice of the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival, and we really cannot thank them um, and Denise Yamaguchi enough. Uh, Y'all, if you're ever inspired to take a trip, consider doing it during the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival. Um, Also, no lesser thanks go to Don Sakamoto Paiva of Put It On My Plate and to Joy Goto and Maria Hartfield of the Hawaii Visitors and Convention Bureau. Savor is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.